I want to tell you, our mission in Harlingen, it's not that far away. <laughs> 2024, told you I'd get it in there, Wayne. You're welcome. It's the same mission that you have here. We want to be a light to our community. We want to seek opportunities to preach the gospel so that the hearts of men are changed and we see increase in disciples for Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our home. It's not about our family. It's about God's family. And I'm thankful to be a part of a family that's for all. Most of you know the work that I do now, a part of the work I do is at Sunny Glen Children's Home. You know, if those parents of those kids that we serve had applied the things that we've talked about this weekend and what I talked about this morning, there wouldn't be a need for a Sunny Glen Children's Home. I want to tell you, there's an internal conflict within me to some degree because what I do every day, it's a shame that it even has to be done. Because I see kids come into our facility, into our homes, who are broken. And they're not broken because of decisions they've made. They're broken because mom and dad made decisions that impacted their life and will forever change the mentality of that child. Four years ago when I started there, we had a young man that had been there for a year who came to us at 13 years old. I want to tell you, he was selling drugs. He was on drugs. His father was in prison. His mom had multiple children with multiple partners. His life was chaos. I want to tell you, his arms bear the marks of self-harm. You want to talk about being real? He would cut himself. And I know that's a sensitive topic because it's real. And we may have people in this audience that have struggled with that. I understand and that young man came to us and you know what when you start out you read when a child comes to us they're, they're an intake form and, and we read their history and we read what's going on with them and what's their background and then we interview the kid and try to get a gauge of what do they need what kind of counseling do they need what kind of what home are we going to put them in what's going to set them up for the best opportunity for success and and the, this kid came to us and it, we were at a loss where do you start I want to tell you about that young man today. He's functioning. He's a grown man. He comes to church with us at North 7th Street Church across. Not every Sunday. <laughs> we try. We encourage. But you know what we were able to provide for him? Is connection to a family. He had opportunity to leave and move out at 18 to go live his life. And guess what he decided to do? I want to stay here. Because guess what we were, able to, we were able to create a family. And that's not because of me. That's not because of our staff. That's because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. How many of you are thankful that you get to count yourself as a family member in the household of God? Isn't that amazing? that we can drive that short eight-and-a-half-hour drive from Harlingen, Texas to Denton, and we can share a meal. We can discuss things that are important to Rick and Danielle. And guess what? The same things that are important to them are important to us. 
The same things they want to see in their home for their children are the same things we want to see in ours. And we have this commonality that brings us together because no matter how different and diverse and our backgrounds and all those things are, at the end of it all, it's about one person. It's about Jesus. And we want to glorify Him. And the church needs to be that beacon that's calling these broken and lost and hurting people who are suffering because of decisions of their own or decisions of others that have impacted their life to say, you know what, there's a place for you. There's a place where you belong and God designed it for you. You see, God designed the church with a purpose. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning of verse 8, Paul writes unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice the purpose of why God instituted and created what it is we get to enjoy in this life as the church. There's a purpose. It's not just so we can be together and have fellowship and share barbecue and go over to Yancey's house. Those are great blessings, and they contribute to the purpose. But notice what the purpose is to make all men see. What is what? The mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. And then with that, to the intent now that the under principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. We are declaring the manifold wisdom of God because we are His people, a collective of people who have been called out of this world of darkness into His light to walk and to live and show people and those principalities and powers what it is to be a child of God. I want you to look at your spouse right now. You've looked into those eyes before, haven't you? And I want you to think about what do you see when you look into their eyes? You see a spark? You see a sparkle? Still there? Yeah, Jerry, do this. That's the right answer. <laughs> Still there? But you know, we also look into one another's eyes and guess what? We see experience. We see hurt. We see pain. We see struggle. We see joy. See excitement. See blessings. See all those things, right? Do you realize when you're looking them in the eye, you're looking at a child of God that God said there's a special place for you in my family. Not just to be your husband or to be your wife, but to be a part of God's household. And I'm thankful that I look out and I see couples that have made it their, their life mission in their marriage to exemplify that. Young people, I want you to notice these homes and these families. And you need to understand the blessing it is that you twice, three times a week daily get to witness this 
So I want to tell you, a lot of kids in this world never get to see healthy. All they see is hurt. All they see is destruction. And they grow up and guess what they do? Hurt and destruction. You're seeing the right. You're seeing the good. So therefore, to whom much is given, much shall be required. We expect you to be the next generation perpetuating these ideas and sharing this message because you have an opportunity to grow the kingdom of God. And that's why the church exists. What a great responsibility. You see, Jesus built His church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said what? I say that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's the rock? Peter wasn't the rock. The confession Peter had made was the rock. That thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon that confession, I'm going to build my church, my family. And guess what we do? We sit down as husbands and wives and, and we say, well, we're going to build our home upon what? The same foundation on Jesus Christ. See, our homes ought to be an extension of the church because the church is not a building and we know that. And we can argue about the song, you can't go to church because the church is usually, I think you can go to church, but it's a different word. I'm, we like that debate, don't we, Wayne? We're the church. We're His people. We're His family. But I've seen congregations of the Lord's body. It doesn't look like a family. If it's a family, it's a dysfunctional family. What you guys have here in Denton, you better praise God. And you better continue to work and labor to maintain that unity and that fellowship because it doesn't exist everywhere. And to have a group of people set up tables. It's, a, it's one little illustration. But to set up a meal to feed a crowd of people and then break it down and get set up for an afternoon service and, and you did it without a hitch, without a question, without a complaint. Why? Because you have created an atmosphere where we're not just coming to a building, but we're a family. And that happens when you're in each other's homes. You're sharing what's important and you're being the kind of member of that family that you individually need to be. The church is important to God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21 says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all and all. It's His body. He's the head. We're His body. Do you think Jesus cares about His body? He gave Himself for us. He gave Himself not just for my soul and to forgive my sins, but to, in doing that, create a community where people know they belong. You ever been in a group of people where you felt uncomfortable? No matter how much they tried to tell you, oh, make yourself at home. No. <laughs> okay, there's a group of people that Wayne introduced me to probably three or four years ago when I first moved down to the valley. Rotary Club. I mean, Rotary to some people is their religion. Very sad. They'll tell you that. 
And Wayne lost a dear friend recently that Wayne had tried to share the gospel with a number of times and finally that gentleman told him, Rotary's my religion. You can just stop. I want to tell you, no matter how great Rotary is, it's not the kingdom of God. It's not the family that we have in Jesus Christ. Yes, we may have some common goals to do good in our community, but the connection that we have <laughs> is eternal. People get sick, tragedy strikes. Is your congregation here for you? But you know, it's more than just your congregation, isn't it? We have a brotherhood. I'll tell you, the Bible uses that word. Did y'all know that? Love the brotherhood. That word is not a bad word. We shouldn't be ashamed. Because when you hurt, if I hear of that in Harlingen, Texas, guess what? You get put on our prayer list. And you never get off. <laughs> and we say your name every service. I'm telling you, twice on Sunday and Wednesday night, you can rest assured if you're on our prayer list, your name's getting read unless, yeah. Occasionally, we have a prayer that will ad-lib and get off track and off script, but typically speaking, we read your name. And it keeps it before our mind. God knows, but we want you to know, hey, we're thinking about you too. Doesn't that bring you comfort? It's not just the people I'm closest to, but it's all of God's family that cares and is concerned because the church is important to us. You are important to us. And this world needs to hear that. They need to hear that they're important. And they're not important because we place some intrinsic value on them because we want them to come to a building with us. They're important because Christ died for their soul just like mine and just like yours. Now, do you love your family? And you say, man, that's a dumb question. We're at a marriage and family enrichment retreat and weekend, and do you love? Of course, I love my family. I want you to look at First Timothy three and fifteen. Paul writing said, "But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou hast to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth." You know what that phrase "house of God" means? I want you to look at the definition: a family. You know, when I came into the church, I want to tell you, I had friends. I didn't need friends. I had guys that I had gone to school with from the time we were in kindergarten, and we graduated high school together. And I said, these are my friends. We're going to be best friends. We're going to hang out. These are the people I'm going to build lifelong relationships with because we've known each other since we were five years old. My principal that was with me in primary school was a kindergartner. Guess what? She was my principal when I graduated high school at the high school level. And we had this sense of community. It was a small town. And we knew everybody and said, man, that's my world. Those are my people. This is my life. You know how many of them even know me today? Other than maybe vaguely through Facebook? You know how many of them I talk to on a regular basis? You know how many of them come to my kids' birthday parties? You know how many of them come and, and meet at a gospel meeting and go to church with me and are involved with the things that we're involved with in our... You know how many of them? Let me count real quick. Zero. 
And that may have been because Chase is a jerk. <laughs> Can't get along with people. Maybe. But I'll tell you what I think. is Chase's priorities changed. Because I got introduced to something better. I got introduced to God's family. And there was no reason for these good people to adopt me into that family. One of the first people I ever met sitting in the audience, Michael, he preached a funeral in Roy City, Texas. Didn't know me. Maybe knew of my dad from some connection to your family in Oklahoma and the history there. And Bruce and Rebecca came and sang at that funeral. And then Michael came over to my house to talk to myself and my dad. And I'll tell you, I was 15 years old. I didn't want to hear from some goody two-shoes preacher. <laughs> That's what he was in my mind at that time, just being, on, being real. It's been the theme of the weekend. I don't want to hear anything he had to say. He didn't know me. He didn't know what I was doing. He didn't know what I was going through. But, you know, he came. Bruce and Rebecca came. And I said, these people are weird. <laughs> Why are they coming to my house? And Dad was excited. Dad was happy to have them. I was like, what's going on with my dad? This is odd. But then Gerald Hanley started coming to my house. Tim Hutchison started coming to my house. Bruce started, hey, you want to study the Bible? No. <laughs> Brent Fisher, you want to study the Bible? No. I have no interest in those things. Dad would get up every Sunday morning with a 15-year-old son and a 2-year-old baby girl. He would fix her hair to the best of his ability, put her in a dress, and they would drive to Mesquite, Texas and go to church. And every Sunday morning he'd say, do you want to go? And I would look at him with fire in my eyes and say, absolutely not. You go do your thing. And finally, he said, I really would appreciate if you would just come. And I said, I'll, fine, I'll go. But don't ask me to ever go again. Because I was 15, I knew everything. And I went. And I met people. You know what I thought about those people? Those people are fake. <laughs> they act all nice with each other. I guarantee they hate each other. <laughs> they probably go home and talk about each other and badmouth each other and run them each other. They're, they're people. That's the people I knew. That was my thought. But you know what those people never did? They never stopped reaching out to me. <laughs> I was a jerk. I was. Bruce did a five-part study with me, and I mean, he had a group of probably five of us that were doing that five-part study, and he got down to the, the gospel study where, I mean, it's going to be emotional. It's going to be, I mean, he had the railroad ties representing the nails in Jesus' hands and feet, and I mean, he banged on them, and I want to tell you, he baptized two of the other people in that study, and he looked at me and said, you need to be baptized? I was like, nope. <laughs> but you know what he did the next week? He said, hey, Chase, it's good to see you. And through those decisions and those conversations and those moments of reaching out, 
I noticed something. This wasn't fake. And I could go through a long list of history of my experience. I'm just telling you what we have is special and what we have is unique and what we have is exactly what the world needs, even if they don't know it. And I'm a part of that family now. And I don't want my kids to ever feel like an outsider in God's family. Nor do I want your kids to ever feel that way. Therefore, we have to be a good family member. Ephesians 6 and verse 21 says, But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know of our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Isn't that a wonderful compliment? The Apostle Paul has said about this fellow laborer. Think about that. This was written about him, and Paul is declaring that to these brethren, that, hey, this guy, he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister, and he's going to come, and he's going to be there with you. Can you say that about your brethren? I can. Can you have that said about you? Number one, we should all be a beloved family member. Colossians 4 and 7 says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you who is a beloved brother. Do you love the people in this room? Love. Do you make the decision to display their value in the way that you speak and the way that you treat them? Do you? 1 Corinthians 13, we can go through the list. What is love? It's a decision. And it impacts the way we speak. It impacts the way we think. It impacts the things we do to show one another how we feel about one another. In your marriage, guess what? Sometimes you have to make the decision to love. It's not an emotional response. But you have to be a Christian and say, I love you, therefore I'm going to do the right thing. And we need that in the church. These people in this room, if you're a member of this congregation, they ought to be the people you love more than anybody else in this life. Because they're the ones here on the battlefield in this area with you every day for the purpose of Christ. And you need to love them. And guess what we need to do? We need to be lovable. <laughs> and some of us struggle with that. Thank you for nodding, Jeremy. Makes me feel better. <laughs> you know, Jeremy and I don't see each other maybe twice a year. But I want to tell you, when we connect and we sit there and visit, I feel like we pick right up where we left off. And I love him. I don't have to talk to him every day. I don't have to like every post of his on Facebook for him to know that Chase loves him. And if he ever did reach out to me, guess what? I'm going to be there. And if I need something and I reach out to Jeremy, I know he'll do whatever he can do to help me with that. How many people in this room do you have that with? A bunch. And if you don't, you need to wake up and realize it's here. And you need to take advantage of it. Number two, you need to be a faithful family member. Philippians 1 and 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What's the mission? What's the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Why are we doing all of this? Why do you get here and have a service at 10 o'clock and then eat lunch every Sunday? 
every Sunday and then have another service and then stay here till 3 o'clock and then go over to Yancey's house at 5 o'clock. <laughs> Why do you do this? Because it's part of the ministry. I want to tell you, ministry's fun. <laughs> this is work. We call it church work. It's church. It's our life. Are there times that it's a struggle? Absolutely. Because guess what you see? You see the brokenness of humanity. But you know what else we see? We see the redemption. My wife is a great helper in that because when I'm down and I'm sitting there saying, I can't do this. This is a horrible situation. There's nothing we can do. You know what she says? Hey, remember this and remember that. And guess what I do? You know what? You're right. God's good. We see the good. And I want you to see the good. Because seeing that good helps you keep your faith and your commitment. Number three, you need to be a serving family member. You need to be willing to serve one another. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8 says, Above all these things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How important is it to have people stand beside you and serve Jesus Christ? And be that threefold cord that's not easily broken. Because I'm telling you, if I'm out there by myself and you're out there by yourself, we're going to break. But when I'm weak, I know I have a partner. I know I have brethren. I know I have co-laborers. I know I have leaders. I know I have others who guess what they're doing every day. They're going out and they're fighting the battle. And they're willing to serve alongside me. What are you doing to serve your brethren? What's your gift? What's your ministry? Where do you fit? Every person needs a job. We've done that recently back home, and I think it's wonderful. Our deacons put together a plan and said every member is going to be on a team. And they went through every directory and made leaders. And they said, this leader is responsible for these people, and these are different tasks we want to get done. It's awesome. We walked into church a couple Sundays ago. I walked in, and there's a sister in Christ who typically, when she gets to church, she just goes and sits. You know what she was doing? She had the bulletins, and she was greeting every person that walked in. And it wasn't because she didn't want to do that before. She just didn't understand that that was an important thing that she could do. And now she did it. You know how many people we had comments and how the smile on her face and this the connection. One little thing, that's one example. But there's plenty of things for us to do in there. Figure out what you can do and serve and be a part of the ministry. Number four, last one, probably the one I struggle with the most, be an encouraging family member. Ephesians 6 and 21 says, But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent you for the same purpose, that ye might know of our affairs and that he might what? Comfort your hearts. You ever know somebody that's just an encouragement? 
you walk in and they're there and all of a sudden your mood lifts. I'm not that person. I know. I wish I was. But you know, y'all know Randall May? I love that guy. Can you be sad around Randall? I, I walk into church at Purcell. He, I, he calls me on the phone because I try to go once a year and, and speak for him. And I, he calls me and just even talking to him on the phone, it's just energy. And I feel better. And I tell him, man, I need to call you every day. Just give me five minutes. And, but you walk in the room and it's his person. It's who he is. But I'll tell you this, it's who he's decided to be. He's purposed him. Maybe it's his personality, but he's made a decision. That's who he wants to be. And when I see him, I'm encouraged. Y'all have people in this congregation, I'm better the same way. You just see them and you're just instantly encouraged. Try to be that, even if you're not that naturally. Because everyone needs encouragement. Let me tell you this, when you see someone struggling and down, don't leave them over there and say, well, they're down, they're struggling, I don't want to. No, go try to encourage them. Your words, your presence, that handshake, that hug, that pat on the back might be the one thing that brings that light into their life. And there's things all of us can do to be more encouraging. The last thing I want to say is this. If we do those four things, wouldn't you say it'd be a blessing to be a part of a group that does that? But I have to make it a mission of mine to do those things. If you'll do that, husbands, apply this to your home. Wives, apply this to your home, and all of us apply it to the church. Because God's people are the blessed and the most blessed on this earth. I love this verse, Psalm 3 and verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Are you blessed? Because you're a part of God's people. How many of you know people that don't have that blessing right now? How many of you in your heart of hearts know that there are people that if they had this and they could just accept it and they could just dwell in the blessings, it would change their entire life. It would transform their home. It would transform their decision-making but the most important thing it would transform would be their heart. And that transformation would cause them to go from being a sinner alienated from God to a member of that family. We're going to sing an invitation song. And I want you to go ahead and get your books out, turn to it. Josiah announced that number. What's the number again? 916. 916. And we always say, we don't know the hearts and minds. We say, you know, the invitation's not ours. It's the invitation of Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor in a heavy lane, I will give you rest. We understand that. But I also want you to know there's another element to that. Because not only is Christ here to heal, to restore, and to forgive, I want to tell you God's family's here to embrace you. And maybe you need that encouragement and comfort. Maybe you just need to say I'm struggling and you need a line of people to come hug your neck. Would we do that? Don't leave here without getting what you need because the Lord has provided and His blessing 
is upon His people. Become a child of God. Enter into that family or let your family know you need something so that God, through His people, can do the work to help you. Come, have a seat while we stand and sing.